Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. April Fools is here, but Bass Edge is not fooling anybody. We're just here to have another great day on Bass Edge Radio. Always, as always, brought to you by Mega Weir Keel Guard, the industry's first do-it-yourself keel protector, protecting your boat from harmful rocks and road debris. Get yourself a keel guard at keelguard.com. Aaron, what's going on, buddy? Hey, just enjoying the springtime weather. You know, a little crazy got right off the heels of a tournament there with the Central Pro Elites on Palm de Terre. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Let me tell you, we had a Friday. Everybody had to be off the water by 1030 with 40 some mile an hour winds Ooh, that came in, wow. hailing. So interesting weekend. But speaking of keel guard, mega wear keel guard, that is, having to use that this past tournament was uh, life saving. I mean, absolutely. Nowhere to park on the bank, was able to beach it. Didn't have to worry about getting my boat scratched or anything like that. And also, the other good thing about the wind and the and the weather was we wound up, uh, a lot of us gathering and watching the Bassmasters Classic on uh, that Bassmaster Classic live video feed that they had going on. Yeah, the live video feed taking fishing to a whole new level. You know, FLW's doing live now. Bass been doing live for a couple years. I mean, if you're a fishing junkie, it's easy to get your fix on tourney weeks for sure because it is is out there all over the place. And how about that Bassmaster Classic Jordan Lee coming from 15th place on the last day? Great angler, obviously. I think uh, the end of last year, he finished uh, four or five times in the top 12 to end the season. Then, you know, he kind of comes into this event, continuing that, that trend of fishing really well and then having some mechanical issues and getting to where he wants to fish and just jacking 27 off of it. Oh, my God. It was nasty. But yeah. When it's your time, it is your time. It was Jordan Lee's time. Congratulations. 25 years old, Bassmaster Classic champion. We are going to get Jordan on the horn. Probably not in April. We're going to go for him in the first part of May. Kind of let this soak in, see where things end up for Jordan. But uh, really, really exciting. Well, Kurt, I think the last episode, I believe, um, that we talked about all this technology and all this access that we have, you know, to not only bass fishing information, but just on the entertainment value. And the most hilarious thing was on that Friday when we were literally kept from getting on the lake because of that wind. But to see all these anglers, and there was only one place to go, right? It was this kind of this quasi-hybrid sports bar, restaurant, laundromat. <laughs> You've been to those type of places, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we're all sitting around there and watching, and everybody's glued, and they figured out how to put it up onto one of the TVs off somebody's phone. So anyway, it's just nuts how ate up some people can be. And I know we're not just about the tournament stuff, but there's a lot of information that we can take from that. Oh, yeah. Professional bass fishing tournaments grow the sport of bass fishing. There's no question. Without these platforms, you know, without the desire to catch more fish because of the competition, it really pushes us to whole new levels and gives us a lot of techniques and things to talk about here on 
on Bass Edge Radio so that we can all catch more fish. So really, really important. I got to point out something very quickly. Everybody's always getting the Bass Blaster, right? If you haven't signed up, make sure you sign up to get the Bass Blaster. It's uh, Bass Blaster at BassGold.com. Just let Jay Kumar know you need a piece of the info because it keeps coming out several times per week. And the most recent thing I thought was really interesting from the Blaster that I wanted to mention was we had an all-female team for the first time qualify for the national championship. It was uh, SCAD, which is the Savannah College of Arts and Design. Very cool that this team of ladies got together and one of their teams of this team of ladies was able to qualify for that FLW College Championship. Being a dad of two daughters... And, yeah. you know, obviously that, that kind of resonates with me. So uh, congratulations. You know, hats off to them for getting it done. Very cool. Very cool. I tell you what, Aaron, let's move into our next segment. Lots of exciting stuff going on with the protecttheharvest.com tip of the day. This is the Protect the Harvest Tackle Tip with Jamie Hartman. Best tip I can give you is to make sure you match your rod selection to the application you're going to use it for. Don't get too stiff of a rod for a light application. Don't get too light of a rod for a heavy application. The biggest thing is making sure that you can use the rod that you do select. Um, don't over overdo it. If they say you have to have a 7.6 for flipping, don't use it if you're not comfortable with it. Go with a seven foot or a seven three. Make sure you're comfortable with the rod that you are selecting. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Fishing Boats is now the official boat of Bass Edge Radio. Be sure to check out the Nitro Z-Series Performance Fishing Boats. The 2017 lineup features five boats ranging from 17.4 up to 21 foot 2 inches. Two new models for 2017 include the Nitro Z-17, our entry-level bass boat at 17 foot 4 inches and rated for 115 horsepower. The flagship of the Nitro lineup, the Nitro Z-21 at 21.2 in length. Its performance and fishability is unmatched. Designed with input from top elite pros like KVD, Edwin Evers, Rick Clun, and Ott Defoe, Nitro Performance Fishing Boats. Champions aren't born, they're made. And now more of The Edge with Aaron and Kurt. Kurt, I know we've talked a lot about the classic even so far, but we only get to do that once a year. So what I wanted to spin off of just the overall theme of the Bassmasters Classic was how Lake Conroe seemed to be so very unpredictable, right? Did you see that or am I missing something here? No, I heard about it, saw the coverage of how unpredictable it was. Really, there was nobody in the entire tournament that was really consistent. There was some consistency. Brent Ayler, uh, most consistent... uh, 
out of anybody in the entire event, you know, had 23, I think, and 19, and then, you know, struggled the last day with 11, but he caught a limit every day. Realizing our winner, you know, Jordan Lee only had three, four, and five. So you do the math, he caught 12 fish to win the classic when, you know, total of 15 able to bring the scale. So pretty obvious how crazy that tournament set up and how unpredictable it really was, which challenged the anglers to the nth degree. You know, I I watched it a couple hours the second and third day of Bassmaster Live and, you know, tried to keep up with everything and see what was going on. It was really interesting to me to see how some guys would really lean back on their strengths. You know, I saw Kevin Van Dam, you know, he was throwing a jerk bait along seawalls when it was really, really tough for him, you know, and and that's his protocol, right? I mean, he loves to twitch the jerk bait around, power fish, and so that's what he did. It was still very difficult for him, and it was here and there, but he was able to put together some fish in the boat because I think he leaned on something that he had some mental confidence in. We also saw Iconelli come out with a really good day and then struggle. I mean, the last day of the event, he only had two fish. So it, it's crazy how that whole event kind of unfolded and how difficult it was but yet the entire field it seemed to me would just kind of more lean on their strengths or lean on something that they were really feeling the best thing. I saw Dave Lefebvre he was really consistent the first two days had I think 20 and 20 or or right in that ballpark basically in second place contending for the win the last day he had one fish for like two and change but you know he, he was throwing a jig that's what he likes to do throwing a small five 16 ounce jig, throwing it against seawalls, and he stayed with it that final day. But it is just really amazing to me how difficult it was for guys to adjust to try to continue some sort of consistency. So in that respect, really interesting tournament. We just recently posted on our Facebook page. I know, Aaron, I'm I'm getting long-winded here, but Jay McNamara, you guys were able to get out recently and do some fishing, and he talked about some changes and some mental fortitude that, that goes into, you know, kind of rolling with the punches to to try and come out on top at the end. And it yeah. might not be on top at the leaderboard, but it's on top of your day and what that day gives you, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that was, and I think that's what we can all take from the classic is that even the best guys, right? The best guys like yourself and, and all these other ones struggle with that type of stuff. And that was interesting. You are right with what Jay and I went out because that morning, I mean, we had a crazy storm, right? I just told you we got on that Friday at they held us up and all kinds of stuff, but lightning, right, delayed us for 30 to 45 minutes. And the lake shrunk because there was three and four foot waves out there on the lake that we just simply could not fish. So control and focus on the things that you can control. And I think that's where at least it'll create further bandwidth to open yourself up to possibilities, right? Of what can I do during this time? What bait can I do? What area can I go to? But I think that's the lesson to be taken from. And uh, for those of you that did not get to see that, be sure to check that out on Bass Edge's Facebook page. Yeah, that's that's a great tip there. Jay's always bringing the goodies. Plus, you know, kind of closing this segment out, but wanted to talk about one more thing with the classic, and that is no matter what's going on during the day, we talked about rolling with the punches even from a standpoint of mechanically, you know, Jordan Lee had some issues and was able to get to his area, had to be taken in by a camera boat to complete his day. But, uh, you know, he didn't get frazzled, didn't get frustrated. He just said, hey, man, this is the blows that's going on. And he took it with great poise and maturity and jacked 27 pounds. 
it just goes to show you never know. You're never out of it. Just keep casting, keep fishing, keep working through the strategy and the analytics of what's going on every day. And uh, man, just keep it fun out there. I think that was also another big thing that Jordan said. He said, look, I wasn't pressured. I was out of it. You know, he figured it. I'm out of it. I'm just out here trying to catch as much as I can and have as much fun as I can. And that put him on the podium. But uh, hey, look, we've got to move on, dude. This has been an interesting topic. Great episode so far. And it just gets even better in our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. We'll be right back. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. I'm Brad Postop Angler, Matt Reed. This is BASS Elite Series Angler, Bradley Roy. I'm BASS Elite Angler, Alton Jones Jr. Bassmaster Elite Series Angler, Kevin Baby, Cliff Crochet. I'm FLW Tour Angler, Scott Ashmore. Hey guys, Gerald Swindle, Bassmasters Elite Series Pro, telling you, do what the cool kids do and listen to Bass Edge Radio. Looking forward to this Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. I've had a chance to fish with this angler in three circuits now. The BASS Elite Series, Major League Fishing, and currently the FLW Tour. And every time you look, he is always lurking somewhere around the top. Really big shout out and welcome to the show, Bass Pro Shops Angler, Casey Scanlon. How you doing today, Casey? Man, I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you having me on the show. We're glad to have you, Casey. And I know you have come out with a great start to 2017 sitting top five in the angler of the year points on the flw tour what's kind of been for you so far this year that has you in a great position nearing the halfway point of the tour season yeah you know it's it's just been a, a really good year so far you know that the first three tournaments that we've had have been you know really tough events to start the season out and you know basically after the second day of gunnersville i had a terrible first day at gunnersville first term of the year and I've been able to really just slow myself down and kind of, um, you know, pick apart some of the areas that I've been fishing. And, you know, I think that's really important to do in tough tournaments. And, you know, as we all know, as tournament anglers, decision-making is is really key, whether it's in the tournament, whether it's during practice. And uh, I've just been fortunate to make, you know, some good decisions so far and get a couple of key bites along the way. And so... Um, you know, started out the year really good and hope to continue that through the rest of it. That's for sure. You bet, Casey. We would certainly like to see that. Strategically, you talk a little bit about slowing down and, and some of the events that up to this point have been, you know, kind of tough, you know, specifically Gunnersville, Travis, um, Harris a little bit more wide open. But strategically, do you feel like you're attacking the uh, practice period a little bit differently or maybe, you know, mastering a system that you put in place for yourself? You know, uh, not attacking uh, uh, the tournaments in a different way or anything. Um, but I do have a little system or kind of routine I follow, which is really, really simple. You know, I just, you know, before I go out of town, I make sure all my tackle, all my Bass Pro rods are spooled up, ready to go. You know, all my tackles rigged up, uh, you know, specifically for that lake. And so when I get to the lake, I'm just ready to hit the water and practice. And before that, I also do a ton of map study. You know, I, I get all my Garmin units and you know, kind of browse around and I'll make a bunch of waypoints of just likely looking spots. I'll be looking at Google Earth, you know, kind of on my phone as I'm doing it. And so when I get to the lake, at least I have a starting point. You know, half these places we've 
you know, I've never been to. So when I get there, at least, you know, I have some places that I've researched and I've looked at that seem like they look like they should hold bass. And I'll go there and practice there. And so far, it's been working out for me this year. You know, I've been able to pull up on some of these waypoints I've just created and put into my unit before I got to the lake. And I'll pull up there and somewhere around that waypoint, you know, uh, I'll find some fish. So, you know, that's been helping me a little bit. And then other than that, not doing a whole lot different. You know, I'm just fishing with a little more confidence this year, uh, you know, trying to be more focused out on the water. You know, just kind of came into this year with a positive attitude and, you know, you're always going to lose fish and it's easy to get down on yourself in this game because there's a lot of ups and downs. And so I've just been set out with, uh, you know, the attitude that I'm going to have a, a good attitude no matter what this whole year and just kind of try to have fun out there on the water. And so far, I've been having a lot of fun and it's been working out. Well, speaking of something else that I know is, uh, as of late, is producing a lot of fun, you're a guide here in my home state of Missouri on a lake that I get to kind of uh, uh, claim as, as the place that I learned how to bass fish, and that is on Lake of the Ozarks, uh, close to Osage Beach, Missouri there. And, you know, we, we were talking earlier, but the fishing there has just been ridiculous, off the hook, right? A BFL tournament a couple weekends ago, a friend of mine who I went to high school with, Kyle Holsey, won it with, you know, 25-something pounds, I think 30 pounds the weekend before that. And uh, we, we were joking that you walk across the stage and 16 pounds doesn't even get a pat on the back and, you know, better luck next time. So, how are conditions setting up for the spring because we really haven't even gotten into what I consider you know some of the best fishing up there and how does this odd weather pattern that we've been having how do you think that has helped or hurt or, or what are other people's dealing with across the nation you know that's been experiencing some of this crazy weather the weather has been crazy it's been warm you know it's been kind of up and down but I mean it's pretty nice all winter long here the conditions at Lake of the Ozarks are fantastic I mean uh, I don't think the lake's ever been better every week it just puts out you know these same 25 pound plus stringers and you know we'll have 100 boat tournaments and 20 pounds is 20th place you know i mean you got to have close to 20 pounds to even get a paycheck so uh the only thing this weather's been doing to these lake of the ozarks fish is making them eat you know they're really relating to the shad all of them have full bellies i mean you know the three pounders weigh four pounds you know the four pounders weigh five pounds and so on it's just uh it's really got these fish eating they're moving in and out a lot you know one day they'll be on the bank one day they're kind of suspended chasing shad so you got to stay on your toes and throw a lot of different baits at them you know just depending on the conditions but overall man lake of the ozarks is just fantastic 31 pounds is about the largest stringer i've ever seen weighed in on lake of the ozarks i can't recall uh seeing any bigger than that and we had that last weekend and i'm sure we're gonna see some more close to that the lake's just really producing right now and been to a lot of lakes all over the country and you know fished a lot of great fisheries with all all three of those tours that kurt mentioned and you know this lake is right up there with every one of them it's got to be top 10 in the country right now man that's awesome what what are some of these primary patterns that you're looking for in april casey kind of break down what you're doing out there to catch you know those numbers and some of those bigger fish you you talked about some of the fish moving in some days and then you know backing off other days based on weather conditions and that type of thing but break down you know specific patterns for us and what kind of patterns and and baits you're really focusing on out there at lake of the ozarks in the month of april yeah um you know the patterns are pretty simple 
simple. It's, uh, you know, you're going to focus in a lot on points, channel banks. The water's down a little low right now. So it's really easy to see these rock transitions where the bank goes from chunk rock to gravel and so forth. So, you know, we're really looking for rock transitions, you know, these steeper banks back in creeks that hold a little bit more water on them, you know, where the fish can slide up and down those channel banks as they move into spawn. You know, the points are always productive. This lake has a ton of brush on it. So, you know, the suspending jerk bait, Alabama rigs over the top of, you know, isolated brush piles, things like that, you know, those always can produce, you know, big fish here. But basically what we're doing, you know, we're going back into these creeks, you know, some of these main lake points and we're focusing on staging areas and we're fishing, you know, the, the bait selection is really simple. You know, we're basically throwing a suspending jerk bait. I throw the lucky strike uh, suspending jerk bait. We're fishing that around, you know, isolated cover or points, you know, windblown areas. And then, you know, like on your channel banks, things like that, we're working those more like with a jig and just kind of working a half ounce jig. I throw a trophy bass company jig. It's uh, one that I design and I just kind of, I throw that jig around everywhere, just kind of working it next to boat docks, lay down, shallow cover, and just basically stair-stepping it down those rocky channel banks. And then you also got, you know, your square lip, your medium diving crankbaits, like a wiggle ward or lucky strike G5. Those are always going to be a player on, you know, these rock transitions, whether it's uh, chunk rock, pea gravel, you know, anywhere the bank changes, you know, those are real key. But, you know, it's it's real key to get around the shad. You know, spinnerbait will always work. So the bait selection is really simple. You know, the entire lake is filled with fish. So it's all about getting out there, covering some water, getting around the bait, and then just kind of hopscotching around these little deeper sections of rock that are kind of leading into these spawning pockets. Because the next thing they're going to do is go straight into these pockets. So we're just trying to find a little deep water before the pockets, basically. Casey, one thing I want you to comment on quickly, because a, a lot may not realize that when you look at Lake of the Ozarks, right, if you pull it up on Google Earth, the first question that I get when new anglers are coming to Lake of the Ozarks and they're asking me about it is just the sheer volume of docks, right? So breaking this down specific to kind of this spring pattern, docks do come into play. One, I want you to give your thoughts on, are they in play right now? Or are you fishing more topography and what's under the dock? And also, how do you decide what docks to fish? And then the final thing is the relation of gizzard shad, right? And the size of those gizzard shad and how you relate those to the size of the bass that you might be catching. Yes, and that's a great point. I left out the gizzard shad concept there. These Lake of the Ozarks fish, they're like the fish on the Tennessee River and, and other places. I mean, they're eating big gizzard shad, you know, six inches and longer. And you'll see those gizzard shad slim in tighter groups, or you'll see them on your electronics. And when you get around those bigger shad, the quality of fish usually goes up substantially. So that is a key element, and you want to see those fish swimming around, whether it's in the pockets or next to docks or whatever. And then the boat dock concept, I mean, this lake is filled with docks. I don't know that there's another lake in the country that has as many docks, and uh, they're floating boat docks. So the fish are definitely using them, whether they suspend on the corners, whether they suspend on the brush piles around the docks. You know, that's a really good early pattern. So when I'm looking for those suspended fish, you know, I'm usually throwing a jerk bait or something around the deeper corners of the dock. Uh, and those fish are just, you know, utilizing the cables or the brush underneath those docks. And I just look for docks that are on point, basically on those same staging areas that we talked about. So I'm really looking at the bank and making sure that they're on a point or chunk rock bank or one of these rock transitions. There's something about the bank that I'm keying in on the boat dock. Now, when we get further into spring, you know, the fish are going to get a lot shallower. They're starting to do it right now. And But what they're going to do is they're going to set up to spawn around these boat docks, and they're going to use the corner of the dock closest to the bank. 
So for those docks, I'm keying in on docks in these gravel pockets. I always want to find a bigger dock. The more shade, the better. The more cables running behind the dock, the better. Brush is always good. And I want to see a dock that's isolated, whether that's, you know, 50 yards from another dock or, you know, all by itself. I want I want something that's a little more of an isolated target. So bigger docks, more isolated targets, brush, that's all a real key factor. And the fish are going to be closer to the bank. So right now with this low water level, there's a lot of docks that are, you know, the back ends of the docks are actually laying on the bank. And that's a real key. I love those docks. They kind of act as a lay down. You know, fish get real shallow underneath them. And you just throw that jig down the side of it. And usually you'll get a bite. You know, they'll really start staging around these things, setting up for the spawn here in the next week or two, I would imagine. Awesome. Great info right there. Let me ask you this. Missouri's kind of, you know, middle part of the country down south. You know, our spawn gets really elongated. You know, you're looking at six to almost an eight week time frame. You know, you go even farther south, like Florida, you know, and they're spawning for months. Right. How does that work in, right. in that in that area of the country that you really have this expertise? Is it is it kind of a long process? You talk about, you know, some fish maybe starting to move up here in the next couple of weeks. So are they going to spawn clear into early June or will they kind of be done by mid-May? You know, our spawns kind of vary, but I think there's a lot of like you said, there's a lot of waves of fish coming there'll be two or three major waves where you know you can get up there with you know just a two three week window where you get up there and there's a lot of fish on the bank and you can see them but there's so many fish in these ozark lakes you know i think 90 percent of the ones that are spawning you're not seeing them yeah i mean you can always right. fish and right. catch those spawning fish but they're, they're going to go into june you know whether you see them up on the beds or not you know there's always a few fish lingering around you know doing their thing you know late may into june you know where you, you'll just catch them fishing and they'll be full of eggs or spitting out eggs on the floor of your boat. So it's a long process and they're about ready to get started. But the major spawn, you know, is typically, you know, three weeks long, I would say. Gotcha. That's good information. Casey, let's take a quick break. Stay right here. Bass Edge Radio will be right back. If it's hard to stop or you hear squealing and grinding noises during braking, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts. You'll find the brake parts you need from trusted brands like BrakeBest, BrakeBest Select, and Wagner ThermoQuiet at everyday low prices. Play it safe with brake parts from O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Bass Edge Radio brought to you in part by Nitro Boats. Returns with FLW Tour Casey Scanlon in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right. Lucas Oil high-performance marine products. From real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements, visit them at lucasoil.com. It works. Well, Casey, how about we dive a little bit more into spring fishing? You know, many of us look to our strengths when fishing gets tough on a day. You know, folks that watched this recent Bassmasters Classic down there at Lake Conroe, it was a mess. You know, some guys had 20 pounds one day and 10 pounds the next, and it was really hard to kind of dial in a daily pattern, you know, but but what you did see is guys that were relying on their strengths when it got really tough. For example, Kevin Van Dam was throwing a jerk bait along some seawalls. You know, everybody knows he's a power fisherman and that's what he really likes to do. What is it that you like to do and what are some of your confidence techniques that you rely on in the spring when it seems like nothing else is working? Yeah, you know, Kurt, it's always great to have a couple of confidence techniques when, when things aren't going your way and 
I've been able to use some of those this year. And it's kind of helped me, you know, do well on the FLW tour so far. So, you know, two of my confidence techniques are uh, one is throwing some kind of a shallow diving crankbait and the other is throwing a jig. So basically what I'll do with those is when things aren't going my way or, you know, when I'm looking for a bite, I pick up that crankbait usually first, especially if we got some windy conditions and I just cover a bunch of water until I run into some fish. And it's usually RC series, uh, three crankbait from lucky strike, or maybe a lucky strike G five this time of year, similar to a wiggle warp. And so I'll just get on the bank, cover a lot of water and, uh, you know, try to find a few fish. Then when I find them, I'll basically slow down with the jig. Uh, and with those two techniques, I'm able to fish, you know, both fast and slow. So if they're wanting a reaction bait, I can usually catch a few on the crankbait. And then if they're wanting the bait slowed down, I'll, I'll uh, switch to that jig and, and be able to catch some of those more inactive fish. So those are my two confidence techniques. And, uh, you know, they're a little bit different from one another, but it, it kind of allows me to do a couple of different things when stuff isn't working. That's good stuff there. And, hey, we already covered, you know, just the sheer amount of docks on Lake of the Ozarks. And, obviously, people can see those when you're on the water. One thing that there is also a lot of, and you know this, Casey, from the sheer fact that, you know, difference with Lake of the Ozarks, it's not a core lake. So uh, no, very different from all of the other lakes. Uh, in Missouri, but you have the ability to uh, own shoreline right up to the water, so that makes uh, all those docks possible. But a lot of people plant brush piles, right? Because in the summertime, with the amount of boat traffic that's up there, night tournaments become a very, very big factor. So talk a little bit about when you have so much brush on that lake, you know, give us the same rundown, just like you did with docks. A, how do you find the good brush piles? And then B, what makes a, a good brush pile this time of year? You know, that's a really, uh, really good question because just the sheer amount of brush on this lake can be overwhelming. I mean, seems like you can't go two or three boat docks without uh, there being some sort of a pile underneath there. And we're, we're talking brush piles. They put some really big ones out down here. So basically, you know, it's kind of a process of elimination. You'll fish a lot of unproductive ones and then get around one that's really, really good. And it may not be a whole lot different looking than some of the rest of uh, the ones you just fished. Newer brush seems to be key. You know, the guys that put out fresh brush piles, you know, always seem to have a fresh group of fish in there. But when you're looking for them, I like to find it just like a boat dock, isolated brush piles, whether that's out on a flat or, you know, usually away from the boat docks a little bit. Uh, I like the brush piles that you know farther out in front of the docks not right next to them where you know a lot of guys are going to be casting next to that boat dock they're going to find that brush pile you know something a little bit more remote so i'm always side scanning some of these barren looking banks and places where uh you know like the middle of pockets you know places where a lot of guys aren't looking that's where it tends like you find the, the better brush piles you know all of them that are around points and things like that are going to hold groups of fish at some point so I look for, you know, points, you know, isolated ones on flats, whether that's in the back of the creek or out on the main lake. You know, I really look for the brush piles on the flats. I think that's where a lot of your bigger fish are. And not a lot of guys are looking over there because the bank doesn't look quite as pretty, you know. But usually the more isolated targets, the ones that are a little bit further out, you know, way off the bank, but still in that 15-foot range. And that 15 to 20-foot range seems to be the key. So I'll put my boat in, you know, anywhere from 12 to 18 foot and really just get in that zone and, and use it in my uh, Garmin to look around and, and find them out to the side of me and below me. Casey, you've been with Lucky Strike for a lot of years now, and uh, I've heard you mention a couple lures and one of those threw in there with your confidence baits. But 
what are three lures from Lucky Strike that every angler needs to have in their tackle box and why? Well, I'll start with the one I just mentioned, the Lucky Strike RC crankbait. They make a couple of different sizes. The Series 3 is the, you know, kind of the industry standard, you know, two and a half, two and a quarter inch size. You know, just a good little shallow running crankbait. I'm able to throw it around all sorts of different kinds of cover, you know laydowns, rocks. It, it deflects good. It's durable. They got a lot of colors and it's just a fish catching machine. So when I'm around, you know, shallow cover or even around these deep boat docks here at Lake of the Ozarks, I can burn that thing around the corners of them and catch them suspended. So it's a bait I always have tied on. And, you know, if I were to recommend a couple baits to anglers, that would definitely be one of them. It's just a, a good bait for catching fish and covering water. The other one is uh, an RC STX suspending jerk bait. It's just Lucky Strike's Four and a half inch suspending jerk bait. Uh, again, a lot of different colors, uh, a couple different sizes, but I, I like you know your four and a half inch size. And the suspending jerk bait's just great. I mean, you can catch them on a jerk bait uh, from pre-spawn, you know, all the way through the fall and winter. Uh, it's just a you know, in the more places I travel, the more I realize how much you can utilize that jerk bait, whether it's smallmouth, largemouth, spotted bass. It's just a great all-around lure, and you can use it in a variety of conditions. So always, uh, you know, carry a jerk bait with me when we're going to all these other lakes around the country. And then, um, you know, third, I think I'm going to have to go with uh, some kind of a plastic. And my favorite plastic from Lucky Strike is uh, a Ringmaster Creature Bait. A four-and-a-half-inch Creature Bait, um, you know, it's got some tentacles coming off of it, a few tails. It's got a ribbed body section that's uh, kind of shaped like uh, like a beaver-style bait. But it's just a really good all-around bait. Uh, there's not a whole lot of baits that look like it. You can put it on a Texas rig. You can fish it on a Carolina rig. Cliff Crochet, I think, won uh, open last fall using it as a punch bait through, like, some hyacinths and stuff. You can throw it on a hardhead. It's just a good bait. You know, I even throw them as a jig trailer. So it's pretty versatile bait, and you can throw that Ringmaster around pretty much everywhere and catch some fish. Very cool. I'm going to throw a little curveball at you right here. Hardhead, you mentioned. I mean, that, that's a that's a lure, Aaron. That's, we, what, we that's what I call you a lot of times, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> More often than not. I know that's a, that's a lure, though. We, we haven't discussed a whole lot here on Bass Edge. I, I know all those lakes up there in y'all's neck of the woods, they call them rock holes, right? I mean, you, you got right. a rock hole down here at Lake Amistad, but, but I'm always focusing on the green vegetation. You know, I, I like the rocks here and there, but Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm a grass junkie. But talk a little bit about the hard head what kind of places do you use that where does it lead you in the springtime and 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 why is it such an effective bait how, how do you like to use that lure you know it really is an effective bait and especially on these lakes up here tommy biffle's proven that you can take it pretty much anywhere in the country and do well on it so you know basically i'm throwing it around the same kind of places you throw a carolina rig a lot of times mixed rock banks you know gravel with you know a little uh maybe basketball-sized rock, softball-sized rock on there. You know, kind of that mixed rock stuff. I'm just steadily winding it along the bottom. But the great thing about a hardhead, like if you were to go throw a Carolina rig on one of these big, rocky, bluffy kind of channel swing banks, you would be hung up all day. And the hardhead's just a little bit more versatile where you can basically throw it on any of these rock banks and it's not going to get hung up a lot. It's kind of a hybrid between, um, you know, a jig and a crankbait. You're able to cover some water. Uh, but still get that bait down to the bottom and have kind of a finesse presentation. So as far as the hard head goes, I think, you know, it's right at home here in the Ozarks. I mean, I think, uh, you know, it fits well into what we're doing. You can, you can fish it around, you know, a variety of different rock banks and, 
you know, these fish love crawfish up here. So, you know, it, it's something that works all year up here. It's, it's not a technique I've totally mastered, but something that I have on my deck all the time and, and I'm always throwing it. You know, I think a guy can go out there and catch fish on it all year around here, truthfully. Well, it sounds like uh, look at the Ozarks right now. You can catch them on anything. <laughs> which is, you which can. Is pretty, you can throw a tennis awesome. in there and catch them. So, <laughs> uh, awesome. it, it's phenomenal right now. It's, it's, it's unbelievable to see what's coming in and it's just a good time to come to the lake. I'm real fortunate to live here and get to go out and sample this great fishery a couple of times a week. So it's been really fun spring. You bet. And you're right. They'll they'll eat about anything right now. <laughs> All right. We're going to do our O'Reilly Auto Parts, Better Parts, Better Prices, Everyday Listener Question segment. And uh, it was good you talked a little bit about a uh, Lucky Craft Soft Plastic earlier. So this kind of runs down the same category. Today's question comes from J.J. Morse from North Carolina. J.J. asks, is color that critical to fishing? I've got 87 pounds of plastic in my boat. Pretty much lean on two colors, green pumpkin and clear water, June bug and stained water. I'll dye some of them, you know, if the bass aren't committing like I think they should. But is color that critical to fishing? Yeah, he sounds about like me. You know, I, keep, I have a ton of plastics in there and I only throw a handful of colors. I think that's something that's really important in fishing is to try to simplify it a little bit, especially if you're going to a lot of new lakes and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm going to throw, you know, green pumpkin, black and blue, you know, some watermelons. And those are my base colors. Every part of the country, every lake, you know, has a certain color that local guys use and that's really, really good. You know, those colors, green pumpkin, black and blue, water, they're good everywhere. Uh, some variation of those is going to work. But, you know, you, you go to Florida, they traditionally like June bug down there. So I'm going to bring a bunch of June bug worms to Florida. You know, you may go to some other lake where, you know, they got this certain color that that's the hot ticket and, you know, I'm, I'll buy a few packs of those worms and load them up in the boat and have them ready to go. But you can't go wrong with your green pumpkins, June bugs, black and blue, you know, some variation of watermelon. I mean, I try to keep it simple. Um, I've seen days where color's been really important, but for the most part, you know, you stay with your basic colors, get a handful of colors and have confidence in them and you're going to do well. Whatever happened to the color motor oil? I mean, all of us pretty much grew up on that. It's now it's like it's, it's never even talked about. <laughs> hey, look, when, when I when I first moved down here to Lake Amistad, it was 2008. So, man, it's, it's almost 10 years. Anyway, when I moved down here to Lake Amistad, motor oil red. Dude, if you didn't have motor oil red, you weren't you weren't fishing. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. And, and it's kind of, you know, the lake went through a cycle, you know, kind of a bad stretch there in 2013 and 2014. And since then, it really hasn't come back. But the first five, six years I lived here, if and I had a hundred bag of them, man. I mean, I had a hundred bag. Go of big or go home, red. man. Ain't no question. But that's funny you mentioned that color because I was thinking about that when Casey was answering that question. <laughs> but uh, there certainly is kind of that weird deal where there's certain colors you know throughout the country that the locals just say you know it, you gotta have it if you don't have it it's like you're not even fishing right but that's right but that's right i, I, I can't I, even remember the last time i saw a pack of motor oil worms on the shelf i'd probably really? buy them if i saw them. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly because maybe they'll make a comeback yeah, you well, you, I, I got to say that also, this is a shout out to all listeners. If you heard this, it's just because you listen to Bass Edge Radio, but up up in the north, you know, country like Cayuga, uh, 
some of those, you know, Oneida, some of those places where those largemouth are, are being drop shot in those in that, that big veggie patches and stuff out there. Motor oil is a big color on that because in that clear water, it kind of has that real shine kind of glow to it. And uh, seems like it's kind of attracting a lot of bites. So, yeah. hey, just just a tip for you northeast guys up there. That was certainly a fun tangent. Sorry about that, Casey, but I just wanted your opinion <laughs> and Kurt's opinion. It's like when you were talking about the colors, I'm like, yeah, whatever happened to Motorola? So uh, anyway. What about, what about, I'm glad we like, talked about it. I'm digging through my plastics right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to go from 87 pounds to 187 pounds. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, JJ. Hey, thanks for sending in that question, and certainly thanks uh, to Casey for his response. JJ, one thing we need from you, be sure to log on to BassEdge.com. Click on that Claim Your Prize section, and be sure to type in that address, and we will send out that O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card for having your question answered by Casey Scanlon on Bass Edge Radio. And as always, reminder, Bass Edge listeners, keep those questions coming to win that next O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. You can send that in through our Facebook, Twitter media pages, or the website, BassEdge.com. Well, Casey, uh, great to have you on the show. Appreciate it. Uh, Any last words as we let you get back out on the water and catch 50 pounds on Lake of the Ozarks? God, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah. Man, I just want to say thanks for having me on, guys. It's been a blast and i'm excited to get on with the flw tour season and and uh we'll see kurt there at the next derby so uh yeah i just appreciate you guys having me and uh, hopefully we'll be talking again soon yeah man that'd be awesome next derby should be fun big unknown out there lake cumberland i've seen it on youtube videos but uh haven't seen it in person but when we get there in a few days we'll find out all about it i'm sure so (laughs) we're gonna send you off with our final segment four last questions for you you ready all right what body of water did you catch your first bass it was Hammett's Pond. It was uh, Marysville, Kansas. My uncles and cousins and I went over there. It's uh, just a pond by my grandpa's house. Went there and caught a bunch of them out of lily pads on a purple worm with a pink tail that I think I got at a going out of business sale at a venture store. Nice. <laughs> that's, a, that's one of the, oh my gosh, I remember venture. It vividly. Did it have a spinner on the front? You know how they open hook with the spinner? Yeah. No, I didn't. You know, I was old school, you know, Texas rig style. Right, right. Um, I wish I had a spinner. That's all good. It's yeah, all I good. probably okay. would have caught twice as many as my cousin <laughs> that day. So who is your favorite fishing partner? Well, my girlfriend's in the kitchen here, so I probably have to say her. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What is the last picture you took with your phone? Um... It was either a truck I wanted to buy or a giant crappie I caught the other day here at Lake of the Ozarks with a jerk bait. I, I'm thinking it was the crappie. All right, so I think we should get your girlfriend on the phone for this question, but we'll go with your answer. Are you a <laughs> okay. bathroom singer? Oh, yeah, that would be a better question for her. <laughs> um, no. You know, and, and if I was, I don't know if I could admit it, but no, I, I'm not, not typically a bathroom singer, but you know, you got those days where you got a song in your head and you know, it's just the best place to let it loose. You know, the acoustics are so good. You just sound like a rock star in there. So is that generally like frozen, you know, let it go theme song or <laughs> I've never seen frozen, but I'm another thing I'm gonna have to look up right now. It might be, it might be the frozen theme song next time. That'll be the next bathroom song. Casey it sings. sounds Kate. like it's pretty catchy. Aaron's been singing it a lot. Lately. Well, I have two girls that, uh, yeah, I, I got a steady digest of about 
a year of that while it was you know very very popular so yeah i've i've, I've it just rings in your head it does it then. does yeah kurt likes it <laughs> likes for me to sing that to him all right guys well, it's been a great time casey thanks so much for spending time on this hero bass edge radio we'll be right back Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. Kurt, certainly a very fun interview, packed full of useful information, and some that leaves me a little questioning concerning the size of your gizzard and square lips. <laughs> dude, well, first, I got to say, I need to get to Lake of the Ozarks. Dude, what is going on up there? 30 this, 25 this, it's out of control. Sounds like, as mentioned in the interview, you can catch him on a tennis shoe, I think, Casey. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can. That's pretty awesome. So my second question or, or statement is, square lip is that a missouri deal or a scanlon deal and whatever it is it needs to be the new term dude square lip square bill everybody says square bill i'm totally down with the square lip i i agree i think that is a casey scanlon signature series because i lived here all my life but i'm first time i've ever heard that kurt well dude if lucky strike has it right they will come out with the scanlon square lip crankbait because I think it's freaking awesome. So shout out to Lucky Strike. Let's do it. Scanlon Square Lip because it's cool. But, dude, Casey brought the goodies. I mean, brush pile fishing, dock fishing, spring, transition. Uh, love this talk about his confidence lures and that little segment as well. Um, just a lot of really detailed information that he was able to bring to the table today. And, uh, dude, the guy's killing it on the FLW tour. I love it. He, he is. And, I mean, you know, that one thing that he brought up about the size of the gizzard shad and discussing that, that's not just a Lake of the Ozarks thing. That is all of the lakes in Missouri from Table Rock to Bull shoals to anywhere there are gizzard shad present when you start fishing around those great big gizzard shad that you see in those wolf packs that are running on the bank i promise you there's a giant bass lurking off in the shadows and uh speaking of lurking we have some stuff that we need to get done kurt i think you're going to be hitting the water so i'm going to let you get to that (laughs) and uh let's put the cap on another great episode with casey scanlon want to show a shout out to him and thank him for being part of today's episode also thank you to all the bass edge nation listeners for uh really making this happen and allowing kurt and i to spend this time with you each and every episode for kurt dove and the rest of the Bass Edge crew. I am Aaron Martin. So long, everybody, and we will talk to you episode 254, April 15th. The Edge.
Edge is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.